One thing that the, that, that the question was asked was, if you were on a deserted island, have you all seen the commercial where he thought it was a desert island? And it was just deserts, I mean desserts. I said deserted, but it was a dessert island. So it was all these desserts. Anyway, on a desert island, and all you had was the word of God to figure out how to do church. Not your upbringing, not your tradition, not your um, denomination, not your quirks and traditions, but just the word of God. How would we line up? It's a great question. I think every church should strip things down and be able to just come to the word of God and say, are we fulfilling what God's desire was for the church? And that's what we're doing. And one of the questions was, how are we, how are we failing or how are we succeeding? And one of the areas, that one of the, the worship team members mentioned that maybe we don't do great at is helping every person that's coming use their gifts. Many of you are plugged in and using your gifts, but many of you haven't found that way of plugging in or haven't really felt useful or haven't maybe didn't even know what your gifts are. And I want you to know you have gifts. God has gifted you in some way for many reasons, but for one reason, to build up the church, to fit as a part of a, of a member of a body now, don't think of a body when it comes to just a, a church body, but a literal body where you're a member, a, a finger or a toe or a leg or an arm or a whatever, an eye. How many of you know we have eyes in the church that see? See things I would never see. We have ears in the church, hear things that I would never hear. I'm not every part of the body. I'm a part you are a part, and it's so important, as Brandon mentioned, as Elizabeth mentioned, as Je Pastor Justin mentions every week, we have things for you to get plugged into, and it is so that you can find your purpose, get roots down so that when hell shows up at your door, you're not uprooted. That's what the church is here for, is to keep from being uprooted. It's a place to put roots down so that when storms come, you don't get blown away. So with that said, Elizabeth said, there's lots of ways to serve. Just get connected. We've got a lot of ways. We've got a, we've got a Sunday school class. Elizabeth and I have a Sunday school class that meets back here. Burton and Cindy have a Sunday school class that I know if we went through the members of that class, they could give testimony after testimony of the breakthrough that they've experienced because of being a part of that class. We've got small groups that meet on Wednesday night. We've got small groups that meet outside of church. There are lots of ways for you to get plugged in. So how to love the unlovable. How to love like Jesus loved in a broken world. Once you know the world's broken. Um, my children, I, I, now, I, I don't now have four children. I have four children. And they now all work for me at the car wash. They work in different capacities. Three of them are cashiers, and one of them's helping me with marketing and, and uh, uh, Instagram and social media and that sort of thing. But all my kids, my three kids that work behind the counter, engage people. And sometimes behavior is questionable. 
Has anybody ever worked for the public before? My dad said everybody should at least spend one year working for the public because it'll make you a better customer. You'll learn how not to behave. So training my kids not to freak out when people act with inappropriate behavior because all it takes is one flare-up for it to get spread out on throughout the whole city that we, we didn't treat them right, even though they were acting stupid. So I, I just say that to say we live in a world where people, people are entitled, people are injured, people are hurt, and don't know how to handle it. We've got things that we're walking around with, even as believers, but especially unbelievers, that are, are so wounded that w- when you encounter them, they react defensively, they react angry. I, I once read a quote that said, hurt people hurt people. So we have a responsibility to reach the hurting. Well, we have to be trained because if left to ourself, we'll respond the same way. I hate you. Well, I hate you. You're ugly. Well, you're ugly. Your kids are ugly. Your kids are ugly. That's how we respond. You get critical with someone, what do they do? They get critical with you. We just start snapping, and all of a sudden, we're on this crazy cycle. So how do we love people that are hurt? How do we break through that not a facade, that wall. People, I want you to know, even in church, people, Christians, spirit-filled believers have up walls that unless, it, unless the spirit of God moves, there is no penetrating that. I've been that guy. I probably still am in certain areas. You press me in a certain area, by George, I will put the wall up and nothing will get through it. Nothing. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, this has been our, our um, kind of foundation s- scripture. Live as free people. But don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Be servants of God. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God. Respect the government. So we started looking two weeks ago. Number one, how to love a, a hurting world Dignity, treat people with dignity because we saw in scripture that everyone has been given honor and respect, honor and dignity by God. God created us and in his creation, he he clothed us with honor and dignity. The people that you are around are worthy of you treating them with respect, whether you think they are or not. Because they were created by God for a purpose. There is a plan of God, of God for that person's life, even though they may be acting completely inappropriately. Can anybody catch that? Have you ever walked up on somebody that you just can't hardly be in the room with? I want you to know God created that person for a reason. And we can treat them with honor and dignity. On my own, I won't. On my own, I will snap right back. But if I will allow the Spirit of God to, He will equip me to be able to treat them with honor. Can everybody say amen? Number two, diversity. God intentionally created everyone unique. 
We have in the past, the past of our nation, the past of the world has been a fight against people that are not like us. God created us different on purpose. Um, I can't remember who it was. It was a marriage counselor. I'm pretty sure somebody writes marriage books that said, Larry Burkett. Thank you. I never get that right. That said, uh, like in marriage, if two people were exactly the same, one of them wouldn't be needed. How many of you know your spouse is not exactly like you? Me and Elizabeth, in most ways, could not be more different. We see things different. We hear things different. We say things different. I don't know that we do anything the same. Except at LTAP, we share a meal. And we're both happy, I think. LTAP. Everywhere else, we're different, but not at LTAP. If you don't know what LTAP is... I'm going to leave that there. It's a Mexican restaurant in town. Okay. But I want you to hear me. We are stronger. We are stronger because of our differences. We are stronger. Church on the Hill, we are stronger because of you. You specifically. And what you offer. And what you bring. And what you've been through and what you've overcome, and what you're good at. We are stronger because of you. Church on the Hill, we need you. God's kingdom needs you. Can we make this bigger? God's church, Big C, needs you. Desperately. I can't tell you exactly what. Now, that is kind of the gifting that God's given me is to help. It's an administrator to help kind of place the pieces where they need to go. But I don't know you. I can't place you if I don't know you. You have a purpose, and you have a purpose here. Number three, community. We started to look at this last week. We need each other, and we're better together. Now, maybe at the current time, the, the way you feel, the way you, the, the circumstances you're in, you're not better together. How many of you know some people, you're just not better together? Well, in a church, how many of you have ever seen fights in church? If you're not raising your hand, you're lying or you've never been to church. Why? Because people disagree. I could go on and on about things that I want to fight about and about things people want to fight me about. Both sides. We are people. But I want you to know we need each other because we're better together. Most of the time, I need to grow up. Most of the time, the problem is in me, not in the other person. Most of the time, I am lacking Humility. Thank you, everyone, for not saying amen. But I know most of the time, I'm very opinionated. I'm very, I, I have a pretty strong personality, and if no one will make a decision, I'll make it, right or wrong. It's kind of the way I'm made. Now, I've got other people in my family and other people that work with us that don't have that personality. It's more like, cool. It's where you want to go? Cool. It's, we're, we're cool. It's good. But in lacking of a decision, I will make the wrong one just in order to make one. 
That sounds stupid, but it's just my personality of get the ship moving. We'll figure out where to turn when we get going. Others are like, no, 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 no. We need to think about this a little bit longer. No, we don't. We need to go. No, we don't. We need to think about it a little bit longer. Oh. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. If you didn't know me, that could cause you to run right out the door. Maybe you do know me. That could cause you to run right out the door. But that's my personality. But Elizabeth's personality is, no, 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 we need to research and make sure that we've dug this thing out. And I can tell you there's a time to research and there's a time to move. But we are better together. What she offers and what I offer makes us better together. We are more capable of getting the right answer together than we are alone. Now, you do that with multiple people. Scripture says that the right answer is found with a multitude of counsel. Those of you that are trying to handle everything on your own, you're wrong. You can't. You can't get the right answer all on your own. It takes people. Some of the most random people. I've gotten some of the most nuggets of wealth and wisdom from random situations. Did not go looking, didn't go asking, but because I was around other people, the Lord delivered it to me through that person. God has a purpose and a plan. It says in Ephesians chapter three, can I, let me just share this with you. In the past, no one knew God's secret plan, but now the Holy Spirit has revealed it. And this is the plan. I want you to know, it, we can see here even in the New Testament, in the past, nobody knew this plan, but God's revealing his plan through the gospel. Everyone, both Jew and non-Jews, are now invited to become members together in the body of Christ and to share together God's promises. So, if I asked everyone to raise their hand, Jew or non-Jew, that'd be everyone, right? If you went out into the world, into your workplace, Jew or non-Jew, it'd be everyone, right? This, again, qualifies this whole dignity statement Everyone is now invited to be members. No matter what they've done, no matter what they've been through, no matter how you feel about them. Everyone, that person that you just are struggling with so bad, I want you to know God loves them and has a purpose for them in Christ and in the church. Jesus is coming back for the church. God wanted a family. But he wanted a diversified family from every tribe and every nation. That's what the peace plan is all about. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11 says, Jesus and all the people he makes holy all belong to the same family. That's why he isn't ashamed to call him his brothers and his sisters. I touched on this just for a second last week, but let's just hit it pretty hard. We're brothers and sisters. So what is real community? Real community is a new birthed brother and sister based on being born again in the family of God. It says that those who have been born again and that, that have received the gospel now have the right to be sons and daughters, brothers and sisters. We have been born into this. 
And when John says this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, he says, with such emotion. Let me show that to you. He says, beloved, what manner of love is this that we can become the sons of God? Anybody see the exclamation point? We do so much texting and so much stupid texting that we don't really, we've kind of forgotten what punctuation means. This is in scripture. I would take everything to be very important. What manner of love is this that we can become the sons of God? Become. That's what you are right now. So how is that expressed, sons of God? How, are we, how, do, we, how do we get expressive about brothers and sisters? We do that in friendship. Friendship within community. Friendship within neighborhoods. Loving your neighbor as you love yourself. The fulfillment of the great commandment. To love God with all your heart and all your strength. And to love that Samaritan that you hate. It's not just loving your friends better or loving your church members better. It's loving those that you just cannot love. Now I want you to know there is revelation for you. You can do it. But it's going to come at great effort. At great cost. Those people that were former enemies. But within the context, we've got to understand that it's bigger than your birth family. And Jesus put that as a landmark. What he was doing with evangelism is he was reaching those that were lost. Those who were coming to faith to become his brothers and sisters, his own family. It's that friendship. Abraham, the founder of our faith, found the Most High, God the Most High, to be his friend. If you will allow yourself to be, have your mind blown, having God the Father as a friend is mind-blowing. Abraham was a friend of God. He became a friend of God. Take the disciples. Jesus took these 12 ragtag disciples, apostles, going to make them apostles, make them responsible for the church, to create the church in the world. I want you to think about that. Think about these. I think that we see Peter and Paul, um, Peter and John and James and, and, and all of these disciples kind of as... Um, Teacher, authorities, pillars, but they were just, can I just say regular people? And I mean regular people. People that you will run into at Walmart. People that you'll run into at the fair. How can I phrase it and not be offensive but get the point across? N- not... Not the people that you think should be it, that have on the suits and the ties. I want you to know I have on a tie, but if I were dressing like I wanted to dress, I would not look like this. I would probably have on sweatpants and a t-shirt. Regular people. What I'm trying to say is you fit that description. You fit that description. God is wanting to use you exactly in the same way that he used his disciples. That powerfully. That world impactingly.
Is that a word? No. Church, he's going to do it through the church. He's going to do it through the church. He became a friend of God. And you know what Jesus said to those disciples as he was discipling them? He said, I'm not going to call you disciples anymore. I'm going to call you friends. We know what each other is doing. We're in community. We found the will of God that we might know him and know each other. But I want to ask you, do you feel like that friendship and fellowship are similar? Do those fit in the same box? Friendship and fellowship. I can tell you, I don't want to fellowship with people that aren't my friends. And I don't mean that mean. I mean, I want to hang with people that I hang with. Right? I want to fellowship. I want to break bread. I want to go do stuff. I want to go canoe or kayak down the caney with friends, not with not friends. That wouldn't be fun. Fellowship is how we nurture friendship. One of the big pillars of church, if you go to look at Acts chapter 2 and find out what God desires for the church, it's fellowship. Why? Because he wants you to grow your friendship. And one of the best ways to do that is through fellowship. People find out about things about me that they would never find out about on the golf course or on a kayak. Why? Because you just get me alone and we'll just get to talking and I'll just start sharing real stuff. Right now you're hearing my churchy side. Right? That's what I do. I'm preaching. I'm preaching the word, but you get out here with me and you'll find out really what's in my heart. Now, once you know the Lord of God, the word of God's in my heart, Jesus is in my heart, but we don't find out really who we are until we start fellowshipping. Um, I've got, I don't know where she went. Where did Ruthann go? Wave at me, Ruthann. Me and Ruthann are two of the most competitive people in our family. Doesn't mean everybody's not competitive, but we're very competitive. You get us playing a game and our fellowship goes out the, (laughs) leave the fellowship at the door. We are there, number one, to win. <laughs> and Ruth Ann came back from playing volleyball this weekend and just was just so shook up. And I thought, you know what? I was there one day. Now I'm still really there, but I just don't show it. I kind of overlook it. And I still go and sit down with people and eat and hang out and have a drink, have a drink, have a Coke or whatever after it. But... Um, but inside I'm burning. I wanted to win. But I've had to grow into fellowship. Fellowship, I have to, sometimes I have to work out. How many of you run so hard that it's hard to slow down enough just to have a conversation with someone? It comes at great cost. Community. God's desire for you is to be a part of community. God's desire for you is to be a member. We talked about this last week. Church membership is kind of um, is, is, isn't a, a, a good word anymore. But I want you to know it's still God's word. He wants you to be a member of the body of Christ. I want to encourage you. You've got to find out who you are. What's your primary identity? 
a follower of Christ. If I'm a follower of Christ, that means that everyone who's a follower of Christ is, a bro- is my brother and sister. As much as my earthly, my blood relatives. You know what's going to last is that family. This family isn't. That family is. So why not build on that family? I'm not telling you to go abandon your family, but build on your spiritual family. Put some effort into it. I want you to know God will bless it. God will bless it. Trust his word that what he says is true. Plug in. I'm going to stop it. I'm trying hard. I'm going to stop right there. I've still got a lot more to say. Come back next week. But I want you to hear me. God has a purpose for you here. And it's good. What do we need you to do? I don't know. Maybe you need to start a small group of doing the quirky things that you like to do. Maybe it's joining a small group of quirky things that they they like to do. We're quirky people. Anybody here do quirky things? I do quirky things. And I'm not ashamed of it anymore. God made me that way. And there's a lot of you like me. (laughs) And we can be quirky together. Realizing there's other people like me has been, this is one of my words, revelationary. I'm not the only weird, weird one. We all stand up with me. Let me pray for you. Uh, Elizabeth was mentioning the exciting things that we've got going on. Uh, Pastor Justin was mentioning we've got a small group prayer group meeting tonight and other, other small groups Wednesday nights. Um, we've, we are uh, Kinos Church, Rob Owens and Dana Owens and Elizabeth and myself and Pastor Justin and Michelle and our staff are working on a marriage conference. Uh, I believe it's going to be September 6th and 7th. Um, very brief, Friday night, Saturday morning, um, but just a way to pour into and to love on um, young married couples, couples that are considering getting married, um, maybe people that have been married for a while. Um, Elizabeth and I are close to empty nesters, and we've seen that a lot of times when, when marriages reach that age, reach that time frame, they break up. So identifying the warning signs, the roadmaps, the, the, the changes, the, and give you some defense and some equipping to press through. I'm not going to break. Why, why would we break now? God didn't bring us this far to fall apart now. This should be our good time. Not our bad time, our good time. And not going stupid. Putting our eyes where they shouldn't be. Putting our, our, our faces where they shouldn't be. Get your face where it's supposed to be. David is a great example of he had his face where it shouldn't have been. He's on a roof looking at a woman when he should have been at work. And everything went wrong. So that's what, that's what this is all about, is help, help you. Hey, this may be coming. Hey, let me give you some support here. Hey, let me tell you my story of where I fell down and God restored me. Church needs to be a place of restoration. Where the broken come and get restored. I'm preaching again. Let's pray. <laughs> Father God, help us. Help us, Lord. Everyone that's here today, I just feel like the Lord is saying to you, God has a plan and a purpose for you. 
but it's going to require you to start walking and to start moving. It says that he gives the steps to the righteous, that he, uh, help me, Elizabeth. The steps of the righteous man are ordered by God. Thank you. But we take the steps. God orders the steps. We take them. Part of this is on you. Plug in. Plug in as a family. Plug in with your children. Be a part of the member. Be a member of the body of Christ. God has a great plan for you. You may be here today and you may not even know Jesus. Well, I want you to know this is the best day of your life. To join with these believers in believing in Christ as your Lord and Savior. It says that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you will believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. I want, I want to just ask you, would you do that right now? Just confess with your mouth, Jesus, you're Lord. You are Lord of my life. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Save me, Jesus. Would you do that? Amen. If you did that this morning, you have just joined this family. You have just joined a bunch of brothers and sisters that all are believing for the same things. Father God, help us to grow as a church, to grow according to your word in the right way. Forming these members, getting strong and our ability to reach the lost and the hurting, Lord, just to be, be, for you to equip us to reach those that are just falling apart. To be able to love those that we just have not been able to love. But God, at the same time, help us with our jobs and our families and our finances. And God, you said that if we'll just seek you first, all these things will be added unto us. Help us, Lord. Now, Father God, bless us this week. Let this be our best week in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. We've got some snacks outside. Please come out and fellowship with us for a moment. We want to get to know you. God bless you. Mm-hmm.